the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. Welcome back. Thursday, September 30th, 2021. I am Seth Liebson. Our phone number is 602-508-0960. There's a lot to do today. I, um, it's a lot to do every day, it seems like. I'm thinking that October starting tomorrow means we're heading into holiday season, and uh, that means we're heading into end-of-year season. That means that we were cheated, weren't we? Weren't we cheated of a better year than last year? It's a worse year than last year. It's a worse year. As we, uh, as we are discussing in, uh, in Washington, really across the nation, the state of our economy and this budget uh, fiasco that is flying around Capitol Hill, I think it's important to understand a few things, and we'll have perhaps the nation's best budget analyst on later in this hour, Brian Riedel. I don't know anyone who understands the budget better than he does, so we'll get his views on this shortly from the Manhattan Institute. But Tom Elliott over at Grabian did the work that uh, Nancy Pelosi continually refuses to do. She likes to pass things to find out what's in them. Tom Elliott has a different idea. His idea is that we read them before we pass them so that we know whether to vote yes or no. Nancy Pelosi and the Democratic caucus, barring two members, basically go along with if the Republicans are against it, it's good. Not so fast. Not so fast. $15 million may seem like a rounding error when we're talking about the federal budget. But how much is it to all of you? How much is it to all of you when you think about how hard you work and that the money you earn is going to cover this $15 million? What is it? Why am I talking about $15 million? That's one of the things in the $3.5 trillion spending bill. For older, it's called the Older Americans Act. $15 million to the Older Americans Act, resource centers for people who, quote, are underserved due to their sexual orientation or gender identity, close quote. So $15 million to the elderly who are confused about their gender identity. Is that what you worked hard for? Uh, There's a provision amending Obamacare so as to boost outreach to sexual minorities and people who don't speak English. I can read you that language if you want. It actually says hard to reach populations such as racial and sexual minorities, limited English proficient populations. There's a provision in there to boost outreach for that. There's $25 million in rent support for victims of stalking. There's uh, no uh, error. Twenty four billion, twenty four billion for victims of stalking, 50 million 
dollars to reduce human wildlife conflicts on national forest system land. What do you think that means? $50 million to reduce human wildlife conflicts on national forest system land. More signs that say if you see a bear, don't run. I, I yeah. $2.25 billion for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Civilian Climate Corps. Um, the price controls for drugs are set. You have root canals and major tooth restorations to be covered through public health plans. You have free school lunches for welfare recipients and runaway children, which I have no problem with, but then also for migratory children. You know what that is. Free school lunches when school is out for summer. Doubling most federal cigarette taxes, including on cigars and smokeless tobacco, though you were told the middle class and the poor would not have their taxes raised. The word tax is used over 1,800 times. The word taxes is used 70 times. Of the $40 billion allotted to the Department of Education, funds are to be directed towards, quote, retrofitting and decarbonizing public school facilities. $500 million for home efficiency experts to retrofit homes to Wi-Fi-enabled home energy communications technology. That's some of the small stuff. There's other stuff. There's a lot of other stuff in there. This is a 2,465-page bill that, uh, according uh, to Betsy McCoffey's read, uh, creates numerous billion-dollar grants to several community organizations for the vague purposes of promoting, quote, community engagement, support, and advice, and creating equitable civic infrastructure. Equitable civic infrastructure. That can be anything you want. That can be anything you want. Tens of billion dollars to community organizations because H.R. 1 didn't pass and H.R. 4 didn't pass. Those were the voting bills, the voting rights bill, uh, the voting the election integrity bills that the Democrats saw their version of. Um, The bill not only bankrolls nonprofit community organizations, it enhances their clout by allowing them to hand out billions of dollars for local business startups. So (laughs) this is really funny. You are giving community organizations money so that they can give that money in turn based on their interpretation uh, to local business startups. Now, think about that for just a moment, if you will, um, because most business startups, you know, I'm all for business startups and enhancing them and doing what we can. But most business startups, let's understand, close to 90 percent fail. Is this a good idea? Is this a good idea? And then my favorite, my favorite, do you realize that there's tree equity Millions of dollars for tree equity. Do you know what tree equity is? You could be forgiven if you thought it was not to allow a sequoia tree to feel stronger or taller or bigger than a Palo Verde, I suppose. That, you would think, is, uh, is tree equity. No, you'd be, uh, you'd, you'd, you'd be wrong on that. Tree equity... <laughs> 
<laughs> tree equity is next to bias training in uh, in this in this in this spending spree, and tree equity means planting trees, making sure trees are planted in communities equally, so that some communities don't have fewer trees than other communities. Uh, here's how they put it. Tree planting and related activities to increase community tree canopy and associated societal and climate co-benefits with a priority for projects that increase tree equity. Enough trees in specific neighborhoods for everyone to experience the health, economic, and climate benefits that trees provide. Okay. Okay. If you want to understand why we're saying slow down, read it, we object, there are a few reasons to do so. Joe Manchin is saying he doesn't think we need $3.5 trillion. I think just in the last five minutes I got us down to $3 trillion. But of course, of course, here's the problem. The problem is the Democrats, barring two The Democrats, barring two, think as strongly as I do that this is ridiculous, that this is crucial. They think this is as crucial as as much as I think (laughs) this is absurd, wasteful, and in some parts, insane. Bill's going to surprise us with the tree equity song. What's it on? Free to be you and me, the old Marlo Thomas album that we all grew up with. Where did you find a tree equity song? Swing and a miss. How did you find a tree equity song? Oh, I, I knew it already. You did? Oh, yeah. So maybe I'm crazy and it's a thing? Oh, yeah. Tree equity is a thing. Oh, to, to this song it is. To this? Okay. All right. What about to the 332 million American people? I, it will be. It be a will, million. It, it's about to be. It's about to be a thing, just as everything the left has proposed is a permanent thing. This is what we're worried about. This is, can you, uh, thanks. This is what we're worried about. We are worried about taking the temporal and ridiculous and encrusting it into an entitled entitlement and, and benefit that can never, ever be reversed. That's why we're objecting now. That's why we're pointing this out now. And guess who understands that as much as we do? The Democrats. Because they know if this passes, it will never get reversed. It will get expanded. I understand Bill Buckley founded his magazine to try and do what King Canute couldn't with the tides, yelling stop against the culture, standing athwart the culture, yelling stop. We'll get there. We'll get there. But right now, it's most important to stand athwart the Democrats and yell it. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Just as I was uh, making uh, sport of tree equity finding its way into the $3.5 trillion budget that Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi are pushing. Tree equity. Never heard of it. Bill said I have a song on tree equity. Of course, it's something he would know about because it's a song from Rush. 1978, as I look it up. And it's about the original understanding of what I thought tree equity was. When I read tree equity, I thought it meant all trees have to be treated equally. You can't have a higher one or a shorter one. 
Did you say it or did someone else say basically Harrison Bergeron for trees? Was that your thought? It's a good one. Harrison Bergeron. That's what I thought it meant. That's what Rush in 1978 was getting at with their song. What was it? Oaks and Maples being jealous of each other or something like that. Good for Rush, I suppose, in 1977 when I gathered they wrote it. Who wrote it? Neil Pert, maybe? I think Neil Pert wrote it. Uh, when they, <laughs> I was just looking up what was going on in Canada. Was it so calm and tranquil over there, all you could do is write a song about tree equity? There wasn't anything going on except the fact that, interestingly enough, Pierre Trudeau was the prime minister then. And it kind of comes full circle because we have his son now, the prime minister of Canada, again. What they're... what they're trying to do to trees, I suppose, in the Rush song is not is not what Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden are trying to do with trees. What we have here is something actually quite serious, the abuse of equality, the abuse of equity. I'll show you how it works in a few moments. The governor of New York gave us an example, the new, newly minted governor of New York, the newly uh, inaugurated governor of New York gave us an example. But do you feel... Your society as a setup here is changing so rapidly. A country of 332 million people is just trying to wrap its hands and head around brand new things that have been foisted upon us that we are immediately told we must accept. Notions of equity. We're still looking equity up as it's being forced down our throats. This civilization is, for better or worse... I argue better. Other ideologies argue worse. Based on a Judeo-Christian tradition that starts with the Ten Commandments. Starts with the Ten Commandments. Other people have had their versions of commandments. But we are in an odd place. Animal Farm had uh, seven commandments. The animals had had seven commandments. And the, the seventh one was very much akin to our founding. All animals are equal, as I recall it. All animals are equal. That's how they began in Animal Farm, George Orwell's Animal Farm, just as that's how we as a country began declaring all people are equal and created equal. Keep that in mind. We'll come back to that. My memory, it's been a long time since I read Animal Farm, but my memory is based on the authoritarianism, the tyranny, and based on the notion that rights could be posited rather than natural, it ends up that some animals are more equal than others. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel that way? Uh, The latest example I have is uh, uh, Facebook has now announced that they have a list of certain VIPs who will never be censored. They haven't disclosed that list, but they can say whatever they want. Uh, You see it when uh, at ASU. You see it at ASU, where two white students in a multicultural center cannot have a GoFundMe page, but the two black students who accosted them can. You see this almost all the time. You see it in the distinction between how we treated violence in the media and as a culture when it was committed last year, particularly last summer, 
as opposed to how it was treated January 6th. We went from people will do what people will do to concertina wiring. People will do what people will do. Nancy Pelosi can never forget it. As she's getting kudos from her caucus right now, remember that's who Nancy Pelosi is. If you listen to her press conferences, there's another interesting thing. It's not the biggest thing, but it's a big thing. Notice how she talks about what she needs from her caucus. She's talk, she talks a lot about what Democrats want, what Democrats need, and what she needs from her caucus on this $3.5 trillion budget package. You know what you never hear her say? You never hear her say what the American people need. It's about what the Democratic Party wants. To her, the world is the Democratic Party. We Republicans err. We err when we think that they believe their party is their vehicle to addressing the problems and concerns in America. That is not what the Democratic Party is. The Democratic Party, to take it on its own terms, believes that they are not a vehicle. They believe that they are America. This is why they can cancel you. This is why they can shut you up. This is why they can have two separate rules. Some animals, some Americans are more equal than others. Some lives are more respected than others. Some deaths are taken more seriously than others. And it's unfortunate but true that most of this has been based on race. And it's a new thing. It's a new thing. You did not have this kind of disruption and racial antagonism until the Democrats realized they could weaponize it. They could use notions of white power. They could use notions of race to pummel their opponents into the ground or into silence. They figured that out. The governor of New York, Dennis Prager, played this earlier and or said this earlier. The governor of New York, Governor Hochul, audio of which we'll play in a moment. She said she will debate anyone who thinks this country doesn't have a systemic racism problem. Nice line. Good, powerful line. As Dennis Prager said, untrue. She will not debate anyone on this proposition. I offer myself, he said. I offer Larry Elder. She will not debate the proposition that America is systematically racist. We would love to. She will not. I'll throw my, my hat in the ring, too. If she's intimidated by those big names, I'll give her my smaller name. I would love to debate that proposition with someone who thinks we are a systemically racist country. We get used to living with lies and then... Once you live in a lie, people of the lie, as M. Scott Peck put it, once you are comfortable with living in the lie, you become oblivious and inured to anything that is told to you that will help perpetuate, finance, and instantiate that lie. You become impervious to it. You no longer recognize the difference between truth and lies, and you no longer recognize the truth at all.
One of our listeners, Don, just said he thinks he may have a big tree equity problem. And, uh, oh, he called it tree equity guilt. And he sent me pictures of his yard with all the different sizes of trees. I think you're okay for now. I think you're okay for now. Another listener uh, suggested I do this, and this is correct. As Abraham Lincoln put it, stand with anybody that stands right, stand with him when he is right, and part with him when he is wrong. Um, To that end, can I urge you a little confidence booster help over to Kirsten Cinema? Give her office a call, send her an email, tell her you stand with her on this budget. She has been the target of a lot of ads and a lot of mail. Not from her typical base and not friendly. She's under siege. She's standing her ground. We stand with her because she's standing right on this one. Let her know. Let her know. And leave all the other uh, issues you may have with her voting record alone for now. Stand with her where she stands right when she stands right. Let her know. Let her know that you appreciate it. Let her know that you appreciate her. She's under an awful lot of pressure. If there's anyone here in West Virginia listening, do the same with Joe Manchin. Can you play the governor of uh, New York for me, Bill? This is going to be a theme for the day, I have a feeling. Yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones. But you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know this. You know who they are. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other. We love each other. Jesus taught us to love one another. And how do you show that love but to care about each other enough to say, please get vaccinated because I love you. I want you to live. Notice, Notice that, first of all, the smart ones. You're the smart ones. You're vaccinated. She's speaking to a Catholic church, by the way. You're the smart ones. The other ones, she said, are, quote, not listening to God. Not listening to God. I wouldn't fear it or highlight it if she didn't have power. If she didn't have power that is being used to implement this ideological and theological nonsense. But she does and she is. She is wielding her power to implement it. If someone can produce for me an elected official, most likely a governor who invokes God the next time he or she signs an abortion law or an abortion prohibition, let me know. If you know of a Republican governor who cites God when he is trying to protect small businesses or really any kinds of businesses, from having their employees' religious freedom curbed, eradicated, challenged, let me know. Based on sexual orientation or gender identity, you let me know. You let me know. Because the media has told us for years, for years, you can't invoke God for public policy. And by us, I mean conservatives. Oh, it's perfectly fine when Al Sharpton, Reverend Al Sharpton does it. Oh, it's perfectly fine when Reverend Jesse Jackson does it. 
Oh, it's perfectly fine, I guess, when the governor of New York does it. But you're not listening to God if you haven't received a vaccine? I'll admit right now, this may shock many, I'm not the most religious guy. Long way to go. God isn't finished with me yet. But I haven't heard any friend of mine, and I have a lot of very religious friends, I haven't heard any of them tell me God spoke to them and told them they need to get the vaccine. I haven't heard it. They're not listening to God. They're not listening to God. That is their new God, science, or scientism, I should say. Science itself has a mixed mind on this. I have a professor at Johns Hopkins, professor at Johns Hopkins, who has a thing or two to say to his governor when it comes to the science, following it, and what God has to say. We'll tell you about him in a few moments. First, don't go away. Brian Riedel from the Manhattan Institute on what this $3.5 trillion bill is going to mean for us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It is a delight to uh, welcome Brian Riedel to the show. He's the senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute. He focuses on budget and tax and economic policy. In the 80s, it was said that no one understood the budget as well as David Stockman. In the 2000s, that person is Brian Riedel. Brian, it's been too long. How are you, sir? I'm I'm great, Seth. It's been way too long. I've been able to handle things budgetary until now, Brian, and now I had to break the glass and call you, pull the lever and call you. So I apologize. It's been so long. But things are getting serious now, aren't they? (laughs) Um, Your piece in the New York Post, Democrat plans will blow up the budget for generations. You do a good job of giving the answer, I think, to what I'm about to ask. You tell me if I have it. You, you, you go ahead and explain for our audience. We're now talking about a $3.5 trillion package. And, of course, we know we have the infrastructure bill as well. We were told we were going to be having a $6 trillion budget earlier this year. How do we get to that number? Is it because of the additional spending we've already approved, like the st- like the uh, 1.9 stimulus, or am I yeah. – Mixing there, there, apples. There's, two, there's different numbers. Okay. First off, there's the fact that this year alone, the government is spending $6 trillion. Okay. This year and last year alone, okay. the government spent $6 trillion and collected $3 trillion, which is remarkable. $3 trillion budget deficits. We've never seen this before. But that's supposed to go down a little bit next year after a lot of the pandemic you know, spending ends. What's interesting now is the amount of additional spending over 10 years the Democrats want. The Democrats are proposing, um, you know, as much as 6 to $8 trillion more over 10 years above the baseline. This consists of the $1.9 trillion stimulus that already passed in March, the $550 billion infrastructure bill that already passed the Senate. Then if you take $3.5 trillion for this reconciliation bill, now you're up to $6 trillion. Yeah. And we're not done yet, because this, this reconciliation bill has a lot of gimmicks to cover up the cost. Like, they put in a lot of fake expiration dates to pretend that certain policies, like the child tax credit, are, are going to expire in a couple of years when they're not. 
those renewals is going to add another trillion to get us to seven trillion. And then finally, without even being noticed, uh, the president proposed such a big increase in discretionary spending this year that that's going to cost a trillion dollars over 10 years. So you put it all together, you get $8 trillion in additional debt or spending over the decade, depending on whether any of this is offset. This dwarfs anything we've ever we've seen in decades. Brian, uh, some of the stuff, it's, it's, it's of good sport for many on our side to pull out some of the things that we find offensive, ridiculous, crazy, insane. You, you know the kinds of stuff I'm talking about, provisions for tree equity, for example. What, what to you, and I, whether it's on that list or another list, what to you is the most unnecessary of this? What do we need? What could we spend that would be rational? Well, By- I mean, I, I, I think if you, if you wanted to – here, you know, if, you, if we wanted this – if we had – we had $8 trillion to burn. Yeah. Let's pretend we had $8 trillion okay. to okay. burn instead of all of this. Good. We could give every family $60,000. Okay. We could eliminate the employee half of the payroll tax. Mm-hmm. Uh, or we could actually do something about the fact that we're facing $18 trillion in baseline deficits between 2020 and 2031. That's that's that. Is not even counting what the Democrats are doing. <laughs> We're starting out with $18 trillion in red ink before we add this $8 trillion to get it even higher. There's so much we could do. Instead, there's just a lot of waste and duplication. Um, you have about four or five different programs for child care yeah. in this, in this uh, bill. It, it, it's overkill. You have a couple hundred billion dollars to build more public housing. Yep. And I'm telling you, the worst response right now to, to a housing shortage is to build more run-down public housing, when instead it would be a lot cheaper to give people housing vouchers mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to go to, to a much nicer place yeah. than a lot sure. of the public housing that's built. Sure. You have expansions of, of Obamacare. Um, there's just all, all sorts of stuff in here. It's kind of a, just a grab bag of all liberal priorities. Brian Riedel is our guest from the Manhattan Institute. No one's smarter about the budget. Brian, why are we doing it this way? Uh, People often talk about going back to regular order, getting a regular budget process. Why are we off the rails on this? We're off the rails in part because Congress is passing a lot of this as emergency spending. Uh, They passed $2 trillion in the stimulus earlier this year that really wasn't even stimulus. Uh, it had nothing to do with the pandemic for the most part. It really had nothing to do with stimulating the economy. But by taking it out of regular order and calling it an emergency for the pandemic, they can pass it more easily yeah. by pretending it's a crisis. Yeah. They also don't want to put all of this into the budget resolution with regular order because they don't want people like us adding it up. Mm-hmm. If they actually had to put all of their budget plans together in one document, I think people would be shocked at the fact that if the entire Biden agenda was was enacted, the debt held by the public, which was $17 trillion before the pandemic, would go to $44 trillion in a decade. They don't want regular order because they don't want you to see that number. Brian, uh, last thing. I know you're busy, and this will be a down payment. Stick close. I'm glad we're, we're in touch again. But last question. What would be a reasonable number or, you know, what would be an, a, a reasonable valence for an annual budget for the United States this year? Reasonable? I mean, I would like to get it down a, 
get, get spending down to to three to four trillion dollars, which is still about what we take in, right? About what we take in. About what we take in, which which is still an enormous sum of money. Um, but right now, this year alone, Washington is going to spend fifty four thousand dollars per household. <laughs> so the question is. Are, are any of your listeners getting their money's worth? Yeah, fifty-four thousand per household. I think you could you could significantly chop that number down, close the deficit, and and let people spend their own money rather than sending sending so much of that to Washington. Brian, this has been so helpful and so great, and I appreciate you. And I am so glad to be back in touch. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna abuse that now going forward here, sir. If that's okay, I really appreciate great. it. What 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 would you if you were a betting man? Odds of this passing at this point three point five trillion. Three point five trillion dollars is dead in the water. I think it's about a five percent chance. The odds of something about one or one and a half trillion dollars passing is probably about sixty or seventy percent. So is Joe Manchin really kind of on to something here with his number, or is he too low? You think? Uh, Joe Joe Manchin is he's the decider at this point. Okay. Him and him and Cinema are the fiftieth vote. Yeah. And you know I would prefer even less than one or one and a half trillion dollars. Yeah. But at this point, if Manchin says it's not going above $1.5 trillion, then he's the 50th vote. He's the decider. Brian Riedel, thank you, sir. I'll be in touch shortly. It's great to be back in touch again. Thanks, Seth. God bless. Brian Riedel from the Manhattan Institute. He spells his last name R-I-E-D-L. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian underscore Riedel, R-I-E-D-L. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. If there was a musician you could have lunch with because you had a lot of questions about what they wrote or sang, who would it be? I'd be curious. I have three. Three in order. (laughs) Paul Simon. I have a lot of questions about some of his lyrics. Uh, Stephen Stills. I have some questions about some lyrics in that song, which is the best song, best uh, pop song of the the, uh, the, uh, last, uh, last century. And then I think thirdly would be Jimmy Buffett. I those those would be the three musicians I'd want to sit down and talk to. Who would who would you want to? I have some questions about that song, Southern Cross. I want to get more this is a very big topic and I'm gonna do more of it in the next hour. What Governor Hochul said in New York about those who are unvaccinated not listening to God. God wants you vaccinated. Those who are vaccinated are the smart ones. Those who aren't, by implication, are the dumb ones. Uh, I know an awful lot of smart people, smarter than her, who aren't vaccinated. I'll tell you that right now. But just a little bit farther north and east is the state of Maine. Just a little bit. If you're exhausted, if you have anxiety, if you find yourself reaching for Mel Brooks singing high anxiety to explain the times we live in, it's because your brain is being twisted into pretzels. That's why. It hurts to follow the pretzel logic of the left. It hurts. There's a story in Maine out of the Bangor Daily News. You know Bangor, Maine. It's the third boxcar midnight train, right? You know Bangor, Maine. It's also where my mom went to high school. Did you know that? In any event, Bangor, Maine, uh, Bangor Daily News has a story out. 30% of those with the coronavirus being treated 
in the ICU at the Northern Lights 10 hospitals throughout Maine. That's one of the bigger hospital organizations in Maine. 30% of those being treated in the ICU are fully vaccinated in Maine. 30%. So this idea that 99% of the hospitalizations from a month ago, 99% are unvaccinated. You know, the dumb ones. Increasingly not going to be the case. Northern Lights hospital situation is 30% now are of the vaccinated. That would make 70% of the unvaccinated, if I understand math correctly. And the director of Maine's Center for Disease Control and Prevention, Narav Shah, says it's a rather insidious and somewhat ghoulish byproduct of the fact that we are really vaccinated. While the numbers are evidence of Maine's successful vaccine efforts in comparison with other states. Can you believe it? We are now at the point. We are now at the point where it's a positive and good thing when the vaxxed get hospitalized because it shows vaccines are popular and being deployed. I don't know if this is equivalent to Bernie Sanders saying bread lines are a good thing because otherwise people will starve to death, but it's awfully damn close. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 